all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. and thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today joining me, I have Kathy Warwick. She is a registered dietitian and a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's been in healthcare for 39 years, so she is a wealth of knowledge about cardiometabolic health, and we're going to be talking about meal planning today and really how that relates to heart health and, and diabetes health today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one 672 7464 You can email us, fit at mpbonline.org. Board as well. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. How are you? I am well. I am so glad to have you back on the show. It has been it's been a minute since you've been on the show with us. So I'm so <laughs> glad to have you back on. It's it seems like the years flown by already too, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. I know. It's you know time is such a weird concept now. It's, it's, it goes by fast, but also you, it's hard to think back to a time before COVID. So it, I think that was the last time you were on with me was right, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm so glad to have you back and especially to talk about um, a topic that I know I get asked a ton of questions about, and I'm sure you will as well, which is meal planning, right? Exactly. And, you know, we're all, quote, busy and yet um, it's a it's a big challenge sometimes to just take a few minutes and get the meal planning done, but in the end it's much more efficient and will save you time and, and food dollars as well. Yep. Now, one thing that I know people get confused about are the terms meal planning and meal prepping. Uh, at least my patients do, and they're, they can be related, but they are kind of two different things. What's the difference in meal planning and meal prepping? <laughs> well, in meal planning, it's more of a, a big view, you know, the wide-angle view where you say, uh, okay, for the next week or two, it's great if you can do for two weeks, let me lay out what we're going to be doing during the week and, you know, what activities maybe your kids have or when you might eat with grandparents and kind of put a calendar together that looks like, you know, these are the days we're going to be home and these are the days we're going to have activities and these are the days that we, we know we'll be here on Sunday after church to eat with our grandparents. And then you fill in the blanks with um, your plan for your menus for those couple of weeks. 
And then when you talk about meal prepping, once I've made my plan and I've done some grocery shopping, I can do some pre-prep. In other words, maybe chopping up onions and chopping my veggies or getting, you know, my ingredients together and and then have an organized uh, stash of, of staples and the things that I need to actually do the meal preparation. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people will even take meal prepping a little bit farther and maybe prep all their lunches for the week or all their breakfasts for the week, those kinds of things. Uh, but it all starts with a plan. you got to have right. a plan before you can prep anything. So I would hazard to guess that most people get up most days and don't have a plan for what they're going to consume that day. Um, they may have a breakfast plan, but maybe not so sure what they're going to have for lunch or dinner. And that can be a problem because it often leads to waiting until we're hangry to start to think about what we're going to eat. And then once we're to that point where we're kind of over hungry, we tend to not make as good of a decision because we're looking for that, that instant gratification almost. So something that's very highly seasoned, got a lot of fat, a lot of salt, a lot of sugar, those kinds of things to, to fix the, the angry, hangry monster that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things or, are, you know, convenience-type foods yeah. like you're talking about and you know, something quick, something easy, and not necessarily giving yourself time to to have a, a balanced plate, um, just something to fill the hole, and that is a challenge. Um, and then if you think about the big view, the, the meal planning can also help you meet your nutritional needs. So, um, you know, we, we get in habits. We have our, you know, favorite meals or our quickie meals or our kids' favorite meals, but you got to look at the big picture and say, you know, did I get enough fruits and veggies for the day? Did I get enough, you know, protein? Did I get enough, um, you know, variety in the um, type of fruits or snack items that I've got? So the planning can really help to make sure that you're not only, you know, have something in mind before you get hangry, but you've got um, all your nutritional components included. Yeah, and that, it really is so important. You know, if we, we think about this, today's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've got on uh, pink and have some hearts on today. So if we think about the heart and heart health, having a, a plan for balanced nutrition is really so important with that. And I know your specialty is diabetes, but diabetes walks hand in hand with heart health, right? You know, Absolutely. when we have un, yeah, when we have uncontrolled blood sugar, that increases our risk for heart attacks and other cardiovascular diseases. So having that plan can really help not only reduce your daily stress, right? Because we spend a lot of time thinking about food but also help you meet your targets in terms of blood sugar control or blood pressure control or cholesterol and all those different things there. So it really is important. So if it's so important, why do you think it's not done more? Well, I know, you know, it's a, it sounds daunting to sit down and plan two weeks' worth of menus, 
But the truth is that we all probably have our top ten family meals that, you know, the top ten that everybody likes, everybody will eat, and we probably repeat that cycle about every couple of weeks anyway. So starting there takes a little bit of the, you know, daunting piece of it out of there. Mm -hmm. It's that if you just think in terms of the things that you know your family will eat, the things that they enjoy, and and you start there, it's not as hard as it sounds to, to sit down. And once you have a, a process, once you have a, a way to sort of, you know, a template for your meals and you kind of have a guide for that and you're thinking uh, about, you know, you'd like to limit how many grocery trips you make and you make a good grocery list from that, in the end it's going to save you a lot of time and energy and money to go ahead and, and and get organized and have a process. And once you have that template, that's easily uh, repeated in a couple of weeks. You know, you yeah. it doesn't take as much time as people imagine, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but it just it just really can set your grocery list on the right track, and then you 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 end up with less stress, as you said, over you know what the heck are we going to have for dinner? Um, you know ahead of time, and you've got everything on hand. It's it's really a a better way to manage the entire meal process if you can get that plan together. It, it, it just takes a little practice. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when when people get in the mindset of meal planning, they do focus on that perfection, right? And they try to to write a meal plan that is textbook perfect, you know, based off of some <laughs> magazine that they've seen or some blog post, you know, and they wind up with overly complicated meals, um, meals that they're not familiar with or ingredients that they're not familiar with, um, cooking techniques that you're not familiar with, and it becomes a, a chore to do those things because it's not not easy, right? And, and it can be flexible. You know, if if today you just don't feel like, or maybe this morning you didn't have time to throw everything in the crock pot like you planned, you know, if you've got tomorrow's ingredients and that menu's ingredients and that's something that's quick to throw together when you get home tonight, you can switch things up. It doesn't have to be set in stone. Yeah, absolutely. And so my kind of number one tip for meal planning or how I recommend everybody start, and you already alluded to this, is write down those meals that are already easy for you to do. And in terms of what I mean by that is things that you already make routinely that everybody likes, right? Like set yourself up for success. So I usually recommend getting you a binder and making a breakfast page and writing down all the breakfasts that you guys like, right? Get a lunch page, write down all the favorite lunches, get a dinner page and write down all your favorite dinners. Um, and if you're somebody who cooks from a recipe, put copies of those recipes in that binder. And then when you go to make your meal plan, you've got kind of this book already built to kind of pull things from that you know how to make. The ingredients are familiar to you and you know that your family is going to eat them because that's the worst is when you spend all this time coming up with a meal and you make it and nobody eats it that's just a, it's just not good 
So that, that's kind of my number one place to, to start. And it can feel like, well, I didn't actually plan anything. And you didn't. But you did the, the groundwork that is going to lead you to be much more successful in meal planning. Let's go and ahead and really start. A good yeah. way to sort of add to your notebook idea is um, get you a couple of, just print you off some blank calendars. Mm-hmm. So just to get a template, a calendar template off the internet somewhere, and make uh, jot you know some ideas on each of the days of those calendars, and then mm-hmm. play with that um, and rearrange it as needed. But it really is helpful to kind of know a day or two ahead of time, you know where you're where you're going to be, where the family's going to be. Is is there soccer game or a you know a tournament this weekend and then how we need to make adjustments that way i'm josie bidwell associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at the university of mississippi medical center thanks for listening to the southern remedy healthy and fit podcast if you have a question you can email fit at mpbonline.org For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Tuning in today to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell, your host today, and joining me is Kathy Warwick, and we are talking about meal planning and how that is an important part of our overall cardiometabolic health. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is 1877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 And we do have a caller on the line. Let's go to Slidell, Louisiana, and talk with Sheila. Hello. How can we help you? Hi. My biggest problem for meal planning is breakfast. Okay. It's so easy to default to toast and cereal and all those things, and I just, I really need some good breakfast ideas. Oh, that's a good question. Um, It is. You know, Breakfast, I always have felt like breakfast. I can't miss breakfast. Now I can, I've got to have a good breakfast or I can't function well through the day. So if that's the case, it's easy to, um, you know, get kind of panicky about not having some good breakfast ideas for me. Um, I have done a lot of cooking ahead and freezing some things. So um, one suggestion that I give some of my patients with diabetes especially is to take Say um, it'd be like a crustless uh, quiche, if you will, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. kind of an egg and um, lower-fat cheese recipe, maybe even throwing in 
um, as I like to do some spinach or uh, rotel tomato or, you know, just you can make a Mexican-y breakfast kind of a casserole, but you bake it in a 9 by 12 dish and cut it into little squares and freeze those little squares. Um, you can do a lot of fun cook-ahead-and-freeze type, very nutritious, low-carb, you know, healthy dishes that you can freeze ahead of time. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a really good smoothie recipe that perhaps includes, you know, Greek yogurt and spinach and um, maybe some frozen strawberries and just something quick that still meets the nutritional components that you'd like to include. Um, have you ever tried doing any of the freezing, you know, cooking and freezing some breakfast dishes? Sheila, can you hear us? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was listening to the radio and to you. So <laughs> I didn't hear the last question. What was the question? I'm sorry. Can you repeat um, Just Have you ever tried cooking ahead and freezing some breakfast ideas? You can even make breakfast burritos or, you know, a, a, that kind of, uh, yeah. you know. I've tried, you know, with doing um, just like, eggs um, with vegetables and things and like an egg casserole poured around. I can't remember what the name, a frittata. And you mm -hmm. can freeze those. But the thing is, it's so many eggs that, you know, there's a lot of eggs. And well, I was wondering know, we've changed our if there was anything about you could think of to substitute good, eggs. But bad, sometimes we uh, can do bacon. But... In terms of that, yes, it takes quite a few to make difficult. the full casserole dish. But when you cut it into the appropriate size portion or the appropriate size square, you know, you're really yeah. um, not eating as many eggs as you're thinking. You're eating maybe one or less in that serving. And the more veggies yeah. you add or perhaps even um, I make mine, sometimes I'll throw in uh, like a low-fat cottage cheese. And that oh. makes it nice and creamy, but it can cut down on how many eggs you really need. But that's still an excellent source of protein and calcium. Okay. So, I never and nobody knows about the cottage, cottage cheese, cheese in there. In there. By you the know, way. I do you things know, like also spinach and um, onions and things like that in. But I never thought about doing cottage and cheese. Good and it's it's quiche-like, but without the crust. And it just makes a really nice breakfast, and it freezes well and reheats well. Yeah. All right. All right, Sheila, thank you so much for giving us a call today. I hope those were some good tips for you. And if you need more information, you can always email me, fit at mpbonline.org, and I'm happy to send you some more info that way. And, Kathy, I love um, love those tips that you were given. And one thing that I find uh, helpful with that is to make it in a muffin tin. Um, oh, yeah. It, because it kind of already uh, portions it for you. And if you've got pickier eaters, um, they can, each person can kind of tailor their ingredients in their little individual muffin tin, right? So somebody well, may have... Yeah. Mushrooms and spinach in it. Somebody else's may not. You know those kinds of things. There. I raised a picky son. Um, my <laughs> daughter would eat anything, and my son was very picky. And one of the tricks that I learned when he was little was 
if I were to throw the 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 veggies or the things that he didn't think he really liked into the blender and mm-hmm. um, blend them, puree them, and then mix them, you know, with the eggs and the cheese and mm-hmm. some of the other things that I might mix with, he didn't notice that there were vegetables in there as long mm-hmm. as the particle size was small enough. But, um, yeah, so you can tailor the muffin tins to, um, you know, include or exclude some items that perhaps, you know, one of your children is not going to be crazy about eating. But, yeah, the muffin tin is an excellent idea. Um, And that is our bigger portion. Our portions are our bigger problem a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I think we know what to eat. We know what's healthy. We know what we need. But we tend to eat more than one portion. Yeah. And, you know, if you're looking for ways to cut back on your egg consumption, you can always do half whole eggs, half egg whites. You can do all egg whites. Or if you're not doing any eggs, then you can – there are great kind of eggless frittata recipes out there. I make one that's with silken tofu um, and chickpea flour, and it kind of gives you that same consistency there. So there are some ways to get around that. Um, I think it's important to remember that you're not – when we're talking about portions – Right. We're, we're talking about balancing your plate with, with other things as well. So you're not supposed to just get full off of this small portion of uh, frittata or whatever kind of little single serve item that you've, you've made. You need to balance that plate out as well. So for breakfast, I usually that's where I, I, I look to, to get one of my servings of fruit. So whatever Absolutely. I'm having for breakfast, I'm having a piece of, of fruit along with it. And, you know, breakfast doesn't have to be overcomplicated. What I usually recommend, notebook. Going back to that notebook, I've got my list of breakfasts that that we know we like. And I usually pick two to three of those per week for us to have, right? So toast is a favorite one of mine. I love toast, but I usually take it up a notch and either spread it with um, a nut butter, like a peanut butter or almond butter, something like that, and a piece of fruit, or um, some toast it real good and spread some yogurt on top of that and have some fruit along with it, or I have an overnight oat, or I have, you know, kind of a, a yogurt parfait. Those are my three go-tos, and that way you don't... An avocado toast. Yeah, avocado toast is delicious. You can do that, and, um, you know, again, that's flexible among the family members. You can have two or three different toppings and everybody choose one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you some flexibility as well. Yeah, it does. And then just always throw that, that fruit in there. And is that, you know, brings me to a question that I actually had come in by email that says, how does eating and mixing lots of fruits during the day affect my blood sugar? So let's talk about fruit and blood sugar. <laughs> well, that's an excellent <laughs> question. I think one of the things that we, we've had um, a tendency to do in, in healthcare is just to tell people, leave, leave all the fruit and juice alone. You know, right. because we, we, we tend to think in terms of, you know, it is a, it is a carbohydrate source. It, is, it does taste sweet, that kind of thing. But the truth is that there are some, you know, there's several fruits that are, Um, perfectly fine to include and uh, again eating the whole fruit is probably my recommendation Mm -hmm. I I tend to lean less towards um, you know drinking a larger portion of of, say juice because it is rapidly absorbed and it does does 
tell you know, that's what we use in the hospital when you have low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hand you a juice to get it back up quickly. But if you're eating the whole fruit, which includes the fiber and, you know, has a, a more, it takes longer to eat and that kind of thing, your your fruit is, is fine. What we want to know is what's an appropriate portion. For instance, I can eat a handful of grapes, and depending on the size of the grape, obviously, um, if they're small, it might be 10 grapes. If they're large, it might only be five or six. But a handful of grapes, not the whole bag. You know, so eating some fruit through the day and using that, say, three portions of fruit through the day as your snacks or using that in a smoothie is perfectly fine. I think where we, we tend to run into trouble is with the portion size and and again with juices, more so than the whole fruit itself. But that, yeah. you know, it, it shouldn't be that we tell patients you can't have this entire food group. Yeah, absolutely. Because in reality, folks are going to choose something else, and it's likely going to be a packaged snack or something that is not going to give you the fiber and the vitamins and minerals that you are going to get. Um, from fruit. So I would much rather see someone choose a, a fruit and eat the whole fruit. You know, uh, I tend to not recommend juice as much as well. I usually tell folks about four ounces of juice, if you're going to have juice, is, is really all you need. And if you want to kind of bulk that out a little bit, then think about what you can add it to. So one of my favorite things is to have a couple of ounces of juice mixed in my sparkling water, right? Kind of breaks up right. the monotony of just water, um, tastes almost like a little cocktail without any alcohol in it. And, you know, I, I'm still able to get that, that taste of the juice without downing, you know, an 8 or 16-ounce glass of juice. Because the reality of it is that's a lot of calories that you consumed very, very quickly. I mean, you can turn up a glass of juice and just shotgun it and be done with it in just a few minutes. But if if I gave you that same amount of calories in oranges, fruit, yeah. You would you would probably not be able to eat all of it before your belly was like, dang, I'm full, right? Because of the bulk that is there in that additional food. So whole food uh, and whole pieces of fruit are are my preference as well. And if you're really concerned about kind of the carb load and those things, think about some of the ones that are a little bit lower on the glycemic index, things like berries, which I find are a wonderful addition um, to uh, your meals, especially breakfast. They just make sense at breakfast. You know, berries in your oatmeal, berries on your uh, cereal, berries on your toast. Um, so I look for ways to incorporate those in, or berries with you know, a lot. Yogurt. And, yeah. and another thing we've learned is that if I compare that fruit with something that has a little protein and healthy fat, like a little nut butter. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so take that apple and slice it and then sort of dip it in your peanut butter, almond butter, and eat it with or, or eat it with a slice of, of cheese. Um, mm-hmm. That tends to blunt the, the spike of blood sugar after you eat a fruit as well if you combine it with a little protein and healthy fat. Or say eat a handful of, of nuts with your with your orange, you know, or with your berries. You you mix it up a little with some protein and healthy fat, and that helps to, to kind of um, minimize the blood sugar response there as well. 
I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Tuning in to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and joining me today, I have registered dietitian Kathy Warwick, and we've been talking about meal planning today and why that is beneficial for overall health, as well as some tips and tricks to get that done. If you have something you want to share with us or a question, we'd love to talk with you today. Our number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Before the break, I mentioned I was going to share my two uh, kind of fruit treats that we will be having uh, for Valentine's tonight, and both of them are berry-related, so I am really on a raspberry kick right now. I'm just loving raspberries. They're so good, and fun fact, the little hole in the top of the raspberry is the exact size of a chocolate chip, so... <laughs> I have started um, stuffing uh, when I get a craving for some chocolate and want that 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 bite of chocolate, um, a dark chocolate chip, and I just stuff it in in the hole that's already there in the raspberry. And they're they're so pretty when you lay them out because you've got that contrast of that bright red and that um, dark chocolate, and they're just the perfect little sweet and tart bite. So that's that's one. The other is. Of course, strawberries, but instead of dipping them in chocolate, have you tried chocolate hummus? No, it sounds wonderful, though. <laughs> it is. So it's hummus without the garlic and olive oil. Don't don't start with, with garlic hummus and do that. And you can add in a little bit of maple syrup and some um, cocoa powder. You can buy it already made. I like to make my own just because I can control the amount of you know sugar and stuff that gets added to it. But it's a nice hit of protein from the chickpeas that are in hummus. And I just kind of core out my um, strawberries. So I make a, a deep little hole in it and use a little piping bag or a Ziploc bag with the edge cut off and pipe that chocolate hummus into that and make a stuffed chocolate stuffed strawberry. So those will be on my table tonight. <laughs> great Valentine's so, yeah great Valentine's uh, way to, to balance right out there now I know that you probably get asked a lot about budget um, I get asked a lot about budget as well and you know I had a comment actually that came in on my Facebook group that says one of their biggest frustrations is spending a lot of money then being too tired to cook and the ingredients go bad 
Um, so that's certainly a struggle. I find that planning helps with that a little bit because if you plan what you're going to do with those you know, perishable items, you tend to use them up a little bit more. But there are some strategies for meal planning on a, a budget, and how do we do that? Well, I think the the biggest thing that she hit she hit on the the the, the caller the the person that that weighed in here hit on the biggest problem is you know a lot of times we grocery shop and we buy a bunch of fresh fruits a bunch of fresh veggies and then we get to the end of the week and realize we never incorporated those into the menu and they're they're you're throwing them away and we can't ignore the fact right now that meal planning would help save money in terms of the fact that everything in the grocery store is mm-hmm. much more expensive. Yes. And, and you know, it's frustrating to walk out with four little bags of groceries and you spent 50 bucks, and then you two days later realize you don't really have anything for supper. So the meal planning is really important to make sure that when you you do purchase anything perishable that you use it um, in a timely manner, and and again, chopping, cutting, uh, perhaps even throwing in the freezer, you know, that bag of, of fresh broccoli, or you know, getting things pre-prepped and ready to use, and then being able to just kind of throw that into that skillet or wok or crock pot um, and and use it before it goes bad is very important. I think the other thing, Josie, this is probably your, a lot of your focus is think in terms of um, non-perishable or more non-perishable or less perishable items, such as substituting for some of the meat in a recipe with beans, um, you know, using a non-meat alternative that that is easy to substitute in there, say, for chicken or, you know, for ground beef thinking in terms of buying even um, no-salt-added canned veggies or mm-hmm. frozen veggies that they're perfectly nutritious. I know we push and push and push, and you always hear, you know, you've got to have fresh veggies. That's not really true. Um, it's right. nice to have fresh veggies, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can certainly buy frozen spinach or frozen broccoli or uh, canned green beans. You know, we don't have to to rely on just fresh where it's in season like your raspberries right now they're less expensive if we buy them when they're in season when they're not in season we can still purchase those as a frozen or a canned item and and use them in those recipes that's perfectly nutritious yeah absolutely and so, you know, some of those tips that you just gave right there are, are some of my favorites as well. You know, I do keep I keep some dried beans and stuff on hand when I've got a little bit more time. I do keep some, you know, no-sodium added or low-sodium um, beans in there as well for those kind of last-minute uh, meals and that kind of thing. Frozen veggies are great. Um, my two tips are know what you're going to use them for, right? I was working with a a new patient last week who had made her grocery list, which is great, and had all these vegetables on it. And I was like, that's great. When are you going to eat those? And she kind of said, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you've got lots of veggies on there. What meals are you going to have those at? And couldn't readily answer me. And that's okay. But it prompted the discussion of if you don't have a plan, 
they're likely to die in the CRISPR drawer, right? Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> I have, a, I have a, at least a rough plan of I'm going to have these green beans with my, you know, baked salmon and, you know, roasted potatoes. I'm going to have these Brussels sprouts, you know, at Sunday lunch, those kinds of things. So have a plan for them. And then the second piece of that is the things that you want to eat more of, keep them at eye level in your fridge. So my veggies don't even go in the crisper drawer. They stay in clear bins on eye level shelves in my fridge so that when I open the door, they're staring at me. So I know that I can use them, and I can see how much of each one of those things is, is left. So when I know when I need to get more or when something is getting looking a little past its prime and needs to go ahead and be used up. All right, we've got a caller on the line. Let's go to Mobile and say good morning to Mikey. Oh, good morning. Good morning, and thank you. What a wonderful show. And um, uh, I hope that I'm not going to be a downer with these comments. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, we have just been informed uh, as of early this morning. Hey, I'm, I get up at daybreak, too. I could, you know, wake up with your boys. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh and we have um, the beginning of tornado season, mm. uh, which will be followed, of course, by hurricane season. And that's why right. I say I hope it's not a downer kind of a thing. <laughs> but, you know, it's like there's always going to be something. Now, it mm. may not be that sort of a, you know, it may just be a, a personal family thing, an accident for somebody or, you know, or whatever. Um, so the only thing that I'd like to add to the conversation is um, stocking an emergency uh, when it's the the budget time to get what is already scarce mm-hmm. in the grocery stores and healthy, stocking mm-hmm. that emergency pantry, the low-salt beans particularly, and things that you can eat without having to have them heated. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. know how long sometimes if – I've been I'm – the, I'm the refugee of two hurricanes – one totally destroyed my house. The other one I'm still working on. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I'm saying this from experience. Um, the canned things, and, and they're also much more applicable to all age groups, everybody from the seniors down to the, the boo-boos, you know, um, mm-hmm. even your, your pets. Um, and that's something that, as I understand it, that, that you know, the low-salt things in cans and the things that are vacuum sealed, like the milks, and the things mm-hmm. that are powdered, like peanut powder, milk powder, anything like that, dried fruits that you can keep on hand. And now there's even, uh, hey, I love this, um, uh, there's even wonderful brown rice in vacuum sealed packets that you exactly. can make. And you're right about If you're going to have those days where you're already before. deprived of everything else, like a place to sleep <laughs> and shower, <laughs> And uh, God forbid, I mean, at least we're we're lucky enough here in the southeast to be able to mostly keep warm, maybe not cool, but warm here when these things happen. Um, uh, that sort of thing is going to be really. And the, my, my, as a concluding comment, I'd like to say that to me that having that sort of a preparation thing is the definition of love. And that's my Valentine's Day comment. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mikey. Thank you for that comment. And 
you know, it's it's a, a well-timed comment. We've done several shows about disaster preparedness and emergency preparedness and talked about how to pack that um, emergency kit. Um, so if you uh, want to know what goes in an emergency kit, you can look back at the archive at southernremedy.mpbonline.org and find those shows that we have done about emergency preparedness. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell. I've had the pleasure of having Kathy Warwick with me today. And we've been talking about meal planning and how to get that done in a, in a busy time when budget is also a factor, which it always is. Uh, we're in the last segment of the show. If you do have a question, now's the time. Our number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Kathy, I had a uh, message that came in that asked what our thoughts were on prepackaged dinner kits. Oh, like the ones you order through the mail? Yeah, I think probably like and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I've done a lot of review of those, and and there's some that are really good. I think my my comment would be that you can pretty much do the same thing that the meal kit folks do for you if you can do this meal planning and and purchasing and planning ahead with your with your ingredients. Um, my only I'm I'm cheap. I'll just say it. My mom says, say you're frugal, but no, I'm cheap. Uh, I, I think it ends up being fairly expensive per portion or per, per um, you know, family member. So that's my only, I, I would say, real negative comment might be, you know, they can be a lot more expensive than, than a do-it-yourself meal. Um, I think it's nice that they come, everything comes pre-prepped, but I would suggest that you could do the same idea if you spent a little, you know, a couple hours on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon when you had time to do uh, the same type of pre-prep, going with your recipes and your book that Josie's got and getting everything ready to go for the week. It's it's yeah. not as difficult as it might sound um, to gather all the ingredients and kind of put them together in the same, you know, spot so that Monday when you get in from work you can throw them all in the in a crock pot or in the skillet or whatever you're doing and, and get it ready. But 
I like the, some of the meal kits um, are good to, to hit all your bases as far as nutritional value. They don't always have as many fruits and veggies as perhaps, you know, I'd like to see. Um, and they cost. But but other than that, you know, if that's a way for you to do a an eat-at-home meal in place of perhaps relying on, you know, ordered out uh, faster food options like pizza, um, by all means try that to kind of get you in the mode of cooking. But you could... You could um, do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and I have largely the, the same comments. So one of the things that I find that they tend to be high in, other than cost, is sodium. They do tend to have a lot of a lot of salt um, associated with them. So that's one thing to watch out for. What I do like them for is when I feel like we're in a rut and we've kind of been eating the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. At, you know, ordering a week or so of this adds in a couple of new meals, and we don't always love them all, but there's usually, you know, one or two that are kind of a home run and they're real good, and they send you the recipe card with it, right, that has the measurements and everything. So I take that recipe card and I put it in my binder and add it to our regular rotation, and, and then I can buy, you know, and shop for those ingredients myself. So it was a little, little cost-heavy up front. But I repeat that meal again, uh, purchasing the ingredients myself. So it's, it's good to break up the monotony. Or if you're just not a big big shopper cooker kind of person, but you want to start incorporating some more meals at home, it can be a way to, to kind of get you out of that rut and get that started. Um, and you can always add an additional fruit or veggie to it, right? That's my right. kind of my, my pet peeve, so to speak, with frozen meals. You know, again, they're high in sodium, but they're often a very, very small portion of something and you're not it doesn't fill you up so usually what I recommend um, if folks are taking a frozen meal to to work for lunch add a steamable veggie um, that 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 lives in the frozen section too um, or the little cups of veggies that you can steam or pack a piece of fruit or both um, and round that meal out a little bit so that you fill up on the things that are lower in calorie and really have all the nutrition while right. having, you know, something else that you also enjoy that's a, a little less on the, the healthy side of things. And another idea, because I did this when I had, now I, I'm, my kids are grown now, but I can't help myself. I still cook in quantity. Um, <laughs> and I, I do have older moms that we um, provide meals for too. And, so I, I will do some pretty good-sized batch cooking, like a, a soup that we all like or a stew or a, 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 you know, a chili or, or a, another recipe that everybody enjoys. And you can then buy the meal prep containers and put enough in there for the two of you, um, especially that's a challenge I hear from people is cooking for two is harder than cooking for an entire family. But if you can cook the big batch, make the big mess once and clean up once and then freeze uh, portions in those meal prep containers, you can put quite a stash of your own frozen home-cooked meals in the freezer. And then on that day or two that things just don't work out like you thought they would, you can always pull those frozen um, options out and let them thaw in the fridge while you're at work that day. And then that evening, you can certainly just uh, microwave that or reheat those. And 
it's nice to have that as insurance in the freezer. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app.